Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to this edition of The Great America Show. We begin today with, I am sorry to say, our sad sack president. Biden keeps sinking in the polls. Biden is in his now customary safe space that is the basement in all polls all across the land. And the Washington Post, of course, has an explanation for Biden's settled residency in the underworld of public approbation. Of course, the leftist content plantation that goes by the trade style of the Washington Post and whose master is the e-commerce king himself, Jeff Bezos, has an explanation that doesn't include Biden's culpability in expansive global corruption or any mention of his sheer ineptitude in all matters of public policy and what passes for governance, or any allusion to Biden's presidency as anything more than ham-fisted pretense. So what did the post-punditry conjure as the reason then for Joe's political plunge? Ready? Here it is. The very best that the post-political pundits could come up with as a rationalization for sad sack Joe. He is, according to the Post now, the victim of negative media. Not his idiotic petro policies that have created runaway inflation, not seen in four decades, not runaway spending that has the United States now mired in more than $30 trillion of national debt, not his mad Marxist policies that attack our schools, our children, and their parents and families, or his invitation to the 8 million illegal aliens who will be residing in America by this time next year, two million of whom are already here, we can think of them as the advance guard. We asked the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, to join us here today to take up this singularly incompetent and unlikely unfit occupant of the White House. Newt has a new book out, which we recommend to you highly. It's entitled, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future. Newt, welcome and good of you to join us. I'd like to start with your judgment on the current political mood in the country, the nasty atmospherics now. Your thoughts? Well, it seems to me, first of all, that the the decay of Biden and the bizarre laughter of Kamala Harris have combined to sort of put the Democrats in a funk, uh, and they don't see their way out of it. Um, I think they have conceded that they're going to lose the House. They don't know by how big a margin. So the last great stand of the left-wing propaganda media is that uh, maybe they can keep the Senate. Uh, Their candidates have raised a lot of money. Uh, Most of the Republican candidates had to go through primaries, where, of course, you spend a lot of money. Uh, And so if you were to take a snapshot as of uh, mid-July, 
you know, you could make a case that some of their candidates are in pretty good shape. But I'm going to go out on a limb. I think they're going to take as big a bath in the Senate as they're going to take in the House. And the reason's very, very simple. As you know, I've been working on an American Majority Project, which people can go to at AmericanMajorityProject.com for free, see everything we've done, all of our polls, all of our focus groups. And it's clear to me that we are moving towards a tsunami, but it's not a red tsunami. It's an American tsunami. Uh, It's independence. It's a significant number of Democrats. It's overwhelming among Republicans. And what's happened is that the two things. One, the performance failure is so unbelievably painful. I mean, you you look at, you know, Trump left at, I think, 1.4% inflation rate. Now it's above nine and, and potentially rising. Um, Trump left with gasoline less than half the price it is now. I just go down a whole list of things. And people look at all that, you know, they look at the uh, left-wing George Soros-funded district attorneys who've been releasing murderers and who clearly have a bias in favor of the criminal and against the innocent. Uh, they look at the border, which has millions of people coming across, and your money being used both to buy them uh, pay for, or to buy them uh, phones and to buy them uh, airplane tickets all over the country. Uh, and I think people look at all that and they just think, at a performance level, this is a disaster. We ask the question, um, do you think we need to return to the to restore the America that works? And it was 87% yes. Now, that means 87% of the people think it's not currently working. But there's a second problem for the Democrats, and that is that their values are seen by most Americans as nutty. I mean, when you go out and say, what, which pronoun do you want me to use? The average American thinks that's a little weird. Uh, if you have a Supreme Court nominee who can't define the word woman, and then a few weeks later, a woman's right to choose becomes a big issue when they can't define what a woman is. So who's, whose right to choose is it? Uh, it's, a, it's an undefinable birthing person. Uh, you know, the average person looks at all that stuff and they just think it's nuts. And I think the combination of all that, I have a very simple formula. Um, if the Republicans go small, for example, if they run Herschel Walker against uh, Womack, they might lose. On the other hand, if the Republicans go big and they run Herschel Walker against Biden and the entire Democratic Party disaster, they're going to win. And that's true in every state in the country. It's true in Pennsylvania. Uh, Mehmet Oz is going to beat Fetterman if it's a big issue election. Uh, Fetterman might squeak through if it's a small issue election. And you can just go around the country and you see this same pattern. So uh, I'm, I'm very uh, intrigued with what's going on. And I have enormous faith in the judgment of the American people. Let me let me turn to what you said at the very outset, that you think they're going to take as big a bath, they, they, the radical Dems, in the Senate as, as the House. I mean, we're talking to pollsters who are looking at uh, 40 to 60 seats in the House, which would be, uh, I mean, that's Newt Gingrich history uh, levels. Uh, how, you really think it'll be that strong, that big? Well, I, I think the potential's there. I think Kevin McCarthy has uh, raised more money than any Republican speaker candidate in history, including me and including John Boehner. I think that the, uh, the recruiting has been extraordinary. I mean, look, look at the young woman from, who was born in Mexico, came to America, 
a natural legal citizen, uh, married a border agent, uh, won a seat which had been very democratic in a special election recently. She's just a harbinger of what's coming. And you, you go, you see this all over the country. Uh, the Democrats are relying on people being dumb enough to not figure out that expensive gasoline, expensive food, uh, the shortage of baby infant formula, um, the existence of criminals on your neighborhood streets, that all these things are not just accidents. These are the result of policies of big government socialism, which which is why I wrote a book called Defeating Big Government Socialism, because this is not a matter of bad policy. It's not a matter of Joe Biden have been cognitively impaired, whether he is or not. It is, it's not a matter of Kamala Harris having the worst laughter of any politician in modern times. <laughs> this is a function of a series of beliefs and a series of policies which simply do not work. And, and I, I love the title of your book, Defeating Big Government Socialism. Uh, I love actually even more your subtitle, which is Saving America's Future. Uh, and I, I think the, you, you put two great thoughts uh, on, on one title. I think that that's an automatic bestseller. Uh, I want to I want to turn to to the book in just a moment uh, as as we continue this. We the pro, the I want to put these I want to quantify these numbers in the Senate. Uh, where most of the the analysts and the forecasters and strategists and pollsters I talk with are talking somewhere around a gain of maybe three, maybe four seats. Well, I mean, just let's go around. First of all, my hunch is we don't lose any Republican seats. Wow. Uh, so we, we keep Wisconsin, which is a tough race, uh, but, but Wisconsin's trending Republican. We keep Good. Ohio. Uh, we keep Pennsylvania. I mean, if you look at Pennsylvania, here, here's Mehmet Oz's opportunity. He's got Democratic Party-led crime in the East, and he's got Democrat hostility to domestic energy in the West, where Pennsylvania is one, I think it's the number four energy-producing state in the country. Uh, and so all he's got to do is remind Pennsylvanians of what they have at stake. So I don't, I don't think we'll, I, we're not going to lose North Carolina, which is a state which is trending our way. Now, so then, then you look around and you start talking about potential pickups. Um, I personally believe that um, Herschel Walker is going to beat Womack. I think that Womack is a very glib, very articulate preacher uh, who advocates a hard left position, which in Georgia is about a 35 or 38 percent position. And all they got to do is tie Womack directly to Biden, tie Womack's voting to inflation, to gasoline prices, to food prices, et cetera. And I think that they will just they'll beat him. Um, you go a little further away. Uh, I personally believe that um, New Hampshire's in play. We have a retired general. Maggie Hassan has been considered the weakest Democrat incumbent up for reelection. Uh, and I think, again, uh, come September and October, when people begin refilling their fuel tanks for the winter, uh, the, sh the sticker shock in uh, New Hampshire, as in Maine, is going to be horrendous. And people yeah. are going to say, we can't afford this. Uh, so, I th again, I think we, we're more in play in New Hampshire. One, one of the things people have a hard time understanding is that politics is not a Polaroid snapshot. Politics is a motion picture. And you can build a momentum. You know, when, when we 
won in 94, the first time in 40 years to have a House Republican majority. You, you couldn't have said in July that we were going to beat uh, Chairman Danny Rostenkowski in downtown Chicago, or we were going to beat Speaker Tom Foley in Spokane, Washington. Uh, you, you couldn't predict those things, but you had a sense that things were moving. And what happens is these things accelerate. People start rendering judgment. I think uh, we have in Tiffany Smiley a remarkably attractive candidate in Washington State against an incumbent whose uh, sell-by date uh, disappeared about eight years ago. Um, I think there's no question in my mind that uh, that, that uh, Adam Laxalt, former attorney general for Nevada, is going to win the Senate race there. Nevada is going to be a big Republican state this year because uh, Latinos are moving away from the Democratic Party. I mean, one of the, one of the great realignments in history is swapping uh, upper class liberal college Republicans, college educated Republicans for working class Latinos, African Americans, Asian Americans, and the result is uh, you're you're seeing in virtually every state in the country a rise in the number of Republicans. In fact, they announced uh, either yesterday or this morning that for the first time ever in history, there are more registered Republicans in Kentucky than there are Democrats. First time in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in in Florida, a state which had historically had a, more Democrats than Republicans, I think there are now 200,000 more Republicans and the margins widening every year. Uh, so you look at these kind of things happening out there, and, and you have a sense I think in Arizona, somebody made an estimate I just read this morning that if 80 percent of the people who are mad about Biden vote against Mark Kelly, he loses. So the Republican only has to get 80 percent of the anti-Biden vote. uh, And the odds are pretty high he's going to get more than 80 percent. And then we pick up Arizona. So I think you can go around state by state and you suddenly realize, gee, this is going to be a lot different election uh, than people were expecting. Yeah, it's and as you're describing it, I, I have to tell you, I'm I'm getting excited. I want to, I I want to, I want to see you put uh, the new majority uh, philosophy that you're bringing to this uh, in front of Herschel Walker, uh, in front of Doctor Oz. Uh, both men are actually perfect candidates uh, to to take your uh, your plan. And analysis and, and and bring it to life, I think, in both cases. What do you think? Well, I, I think they're fascinating examples. You know, Mehmet Oz has been a national television figure ever since Oprah fell in love with him. Uh, and you would have him on, day, you know, day after day offering medical advice. He's a very smart guy. I've, I've worked with Mehmet for over 20 right. years. Back when we had the Center for Health Transformation, he was one of the people who would always help me. And... Uh, I, I talked to him the other night. He broke me up. He said, you, he said, do you remember you told me 20 years ago that um, you should find an 80% issue and stand next to it and smile? Well, I was actually paraphrasing Ronald Reagan. Uh, but, but Oz kind of gets it. You know, he, he was doing very well until his Republican opponent dumped $40 million on his head. And he, he still limped through and got won the nomination. But it was a little more exciting than he thought it would be. Um, but I think Oz sort of gets what he has to do, and he, he's out listening to people, seeing people. He will do better in the inner city. I was really surprised. In the primary, uh, he carried Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. 
I mean, his margin of getting nominated was inside the inner city uh, because people know that he worked with Oprah. People know that uh, he is interested and deeply concerned about the inner city. And that really had an impact. And Um, good health. And good health. Yep. Yeah, he did. did, uh, You know, and I think Trump's endorsement helped him, but I think ultimately Oz won it. And Georgia, uh, the, the thing to remember about Herschel Walker is that he is a legend. Uh, and the, the greatest danger Herschel faces right now is having a bunch of Republican consultants who don't have a clue try to teach him how to be a white senatorial candidate. <laughs> uh, what Herschel's got to do is be who he is. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He is the greatest athlete in the history of Georgia. He is a remarkable human being. He has been very successful over and over again. He gave, I think, something like 480 speeches around the world on military bases, talking about PTSD and talking about his own problems. The fact that, you know, when you got hit as often as he did, uh, he had some problems, too. Uh, and I think, you know, he's, he's got to he's got to run as Herschel and not run as some, uh, you know, pseudo candidate trained by a bunch of guys that don't have a clue. If he'll do that, and if he'll go to say to people, look, I have a big heart, I love the country, I believe in sound conservative values, uh, and I'm not the guy who has uh, destroyed your family budget, wiped out your ability to buy a car, and uh, made sure you can't afford to eat very well. That guy's, you know, his name Womack, and he is, Warnock, and he is, by the way, uh, Biden's choice. So you decide, you want, you want the Georgia choice, which is Herschel Walker, or you want the Biden choice, um, which is uh, Warnock, I think Warnock loses that race by a surprising margin. And uh, if you were to not know either man and you were to have them just stand on a stage somewhere to the side and you'd say, which one is the, uh, is the, is the leftist and which is on the right? Uh, I, I don't know what your answer would be. But when you look at both men and you say, which one is the most relatable? Uh, and uh, comes across as the warmest. That is Herschel Walker, without a doubt. Right. Without a doubt. And Herschel is one of the classiest guys uh, I know. Uh, he's just he's just a remarkable individual. And yes, he's got some baggage and he's got some issues that uh, you know that Warnock will play to till you know the cows come home. But uh, in the end, I agree with you. I think Herschel prevails. Well, and I think that part of it's just authenticity. You know, Warnock is an authentic preacher, uh, used to leading his flock from the pulpit, uh, and used to saying whatever gets the collection to be good enough that Sunday. And Warnock is a hardline left wing, you know, beyond liberal. I mean, he fits perfectly into the radical wing of the Democratic Party. You may consider now, this overstatement, but I just call him flat out a Marxist Democrat. Yeah, I, I don't. I'll accept that because look, I think virtually all of them now are, for all practical purposes, Marxist. Uh, <clears throat> none of them have a clue about free enterprise. There was a study done, I think, by Steve Moore, that I think he looked at sixty-five different right. appointees, none of whom, not a single one, <laughs> had any private sector experience. I mean, you look at Buttigieg, who the Washington Post thinks is the second most likely Democratic nominee in twenty-four. Buttigieg. Uh, might know a little bit about bicycles, but he's in charge of the nation's air traffic system. And we've had thousands and thousands of flights delayed under Buttigieg. Um, he doesn't have any idea what he's doing. And he's sort of typical. 
Uh, I mean, this is a this is a gathering of people who would not know reality if it walked up to them and poured water on their head. If the supply chain is uh, anathema to Buttigieg uh, and Biden, uh, all of whom seem to think that is like a string of Christmas lights uh, that just what goes on one after the other. They don't seem to quite understand. It's far more complex than a string of Christmas lights, which it seems to be the uh, the metaphor of uh, great utility right now. I, I just get a kick out of uh, the silliness uh, that the the leaders of these departments display. They're they're trivial when it comes to their talent, uh, and the the issues they're dealing with are are momentous, uh, unprecedented in many cases. And they simply don't have the firepower to deal with it. Well, there are two parts to that, actually. And this is why I wrote Defeating Big Government Socialism. I, I don't want them to get away with just being incompetent. Uh, because then the next cycle comes up and new ones emerge. And they say, oh, but this time we're competent. The fact is, not only are they incompetent, but what they believe isn't true. Ronald Reagan said this years ago. He said, I'm not frightened by what they don't know. I'm frightened by what they know that isn't true. And I always tell people, if you want to understand why they're so bad at dealing with violence, whether it's criminals or terrorists or foreign policy, it's really simple. Um, these are people who saw The Lion King and thought it was a documentary. And they, <laughs> they actually think that lions and zebras sing and dance together. And we keep trying to tell them, you know, in the real world, lions eat zebras. And they're going, no, no, didn't you see the movie? I mean, I know. I, I watched it personally. They like each other. And that's what you're up against. These are guys who think if you want a hard egg, you can put it in the freezer. And you keep trying to say to them, you know, a hard-boiled egg cannot come out of the freezer. And they go, really? I didn't know that. Um it, it's their core policies and their core beliefs about reality are simply dysfunctional. And and to sort through all of this, your, your new book, it, it's is so important. Uh, I I I love it. Uh, stopping Democrat socialism, saving the nation's destiny, its future. Uh, are, are, I don't think you could have two higher purposes. Give us a sense of what you think is most urgent uh, and, and most critical. Well, the the reason I wrote Defeating Big Government Socialism is I wanted to create kind of a handbook for citizens to give them the tools and the ammunition. You know, when, when I was first in politics, Margaret Thatcher became the the opposition leader in 1975. And she set out very openly and deliberately to destroy socialism as a governing alternative in Britain. And she did such an amazing job that no openly left-wing labor leader has been prime minister in 40 years. Now think about that. Right. And it's because she went after it at, at the idea level. She, she said, it's immoral. It's wrong. It doesn't work. It hurts people. And I think... My number one goal would be to say to people, the citizens can beat the elites. This is a country, I mean, I'm truly a Lincoln Republican, government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And that means it's not government by some bureaucrat. It's not government by some clever lobbyist. It's not government 
by a bunch of appointed, you know, ne'er-do-wells who don't have a clue what they're doing. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it is government that is responsive to, understands, and is reporting to the people of the United States. Uh, and, you know, we've been very fortunate. We've been endowed by a system, unlike any other country in the world, where it says that, that, that our creator endowed us with certain inalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I'm almost always happy in part because, you know, if, you're, if you've been told by God you're allowed to pursue happiness, what, what is your excuse for being unhappy? Uh, you know, just, just a great point. go do it. And so I think that my personal belief is that we will beat the left, uh, that we will probably beat them for two generations. Uh, if we get a few breaks, 22 and 24 are going to be the biggest repudiation of the Democratic Party since 1920. And it's going to happen because the performance is terrible and the ideas are worse. And the Biden administration, as I understand what you're saying, you're saying that the Republicans don't lose a seat. That means uh, taking just about every election available uh, in the Senate across the country. Yeah, I think I think it's very likely. I mean, there there are places where we're not competitive. We're not going to beat Schumer, for example. Right. Uh, but there are a lot of Democrats, and again, it, uh, it's possible that we're going to win in Colorado. Now, you wouldn't, I wouldn't bet a lot of money on it, but I know what the results are like in the polling. Uh, it's possible that you're going to see a sweep in Oregon because people are so sick of night after night, Antifa breaking the law with impunity, setting the f federal courthouse on fire. I mean, you're watching the decay of civilization. When, when Starbucks announces that in 16 sites they're closing them because they can't cope with the degree to which the bathrooms have become drug dens. You know that this is literally the decay of civilization. And the question is whether or not the American people are prepared to put their foot down and say, you know, enough is enough. Uh, and my hunch is, because I, I do so deeply believe in the people, that uh, the people are smarter than the politicians and smarter than the news media. And I think that they're likely to come roaring back and insist on the changes necessary to have a safe, free, and prosperous country. I think we talk about the people being smarter than our politicians and our news media. Uh, that might be taken as faint praise, <laughs> fairly. Uh, it, it's just amazing to me the the quality of people uh, that we have in who we have in office now. Uh, I, I just I, I want to as we and I know we're pressing up on time here. But I do want to get a sense from you uh, as to whether or not Donald Trump will run, what you think the implications are if he does or does not. Well, I think if his doctor tells him he's healthy enough, he'll probably run. I, I know he's very concerned that he doesn't want to run if he's going to end up like Biden. Uh, I think he finds it embarrassing for America and dangerous for America to have a president who's this cognitively weak and this on unstable. Uh, but but let's assume for a minute that his doctor says you're in great shape, Donald. Um, he will run. Um, I think he's going to have a real fight uh, because I think that, uh, among other people, the governor DeSantis has done an amazing job. I agree. Uh, and, I, and I think uh, Trump would be very ill-served 
to underestimate the seriousness uh, that uh, DeSantis would bring to a race. He has over $100 million in the bank in his campaign fund. I just got a, a nice note from uh, uh, former Congressman Zinke, who is running for election again in Montana. And right there smiling with him was Governor DeSantis. Now, <laughs> since DeSantis is up for re-election, I'm assuming he was in Montana for a reason other than going to see Glacier National Park. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think so. I, I have very great respect uh, for DeSantis. In addition, you got Pence, who I think has been uh, has grown in stature as people realized how much pressure he was under and that he did what he honestly believed in. Uh, I think you've got Pompeo, who's very competent, Nikki Haley, who was effective at the U.N., a uh, number of governors who might run, including the governor of, of New Hampshire, Sununu. Um, so, I mean, if Trump does decide to run, he just needs to understand it's not going to be a gimme. It's a, he, he can win it. He, he remains the most effective politician I've seen in my lifetime other than Reagan. Uh, and uh, I think he's very formidable, but I do think that the fact that he didn't slow down, he didn't think through what had what didn't work, and he didn't develop a, a positive program for the future, I think uh, gave other people a year in which to fill a vacuum uh, where there's still enormous affection for Trump, but there's also a willingness to consider somebody else. Yeah, I, let me throw out a few, a few uh, if I may, countervailing. Uh, thoughts on that issue. One is uh, he is still the most popular politician in the country, period, bar none. Uh, in all of the polling that I have seen, he beats DeSantis like a like a drum. Uh, the margins aren't even close. Uh, and there is no one, there is no, uh, you know, other candidate that uh, approaches. You mentioned Pompeo, Nikki Haley, and as you said, they were effective in their roles. Uh, but those roles were bestowed on them by President Trump. And in fact, Nikki Haley is, uh, as a, you and I both know, a, a U.N. ambassador is a, is a mouthpiece and is, uh, uh, you know, aping the plans of the, of the State Department and the White House. And so I'm, I'm not particularly impressed with her. Pompeo is a bit, no, he's, he's a lot dull. Uh, I think he's a good, a great American. I think he's a good guy. Uh, but uh, a candidate uh, for president, I don't think so. Uh, certainly not in 20, as, as soon as he would have to. Uh, and President Trump uh, is a, a lot of things, but even approaching uh, a, a, a state that uh, would make it a, a, an even fight with a very bright man uh, who is just middle-aged, I think he still wins. Uh, he has shown no signs of slippage that I can discern, and I think he will be formidable uh, if he decides to run. I'm not convinced, by the way, Newt, that he's going to run because he hasn't created an organization around him. He hasn't created a team of talent scouts. Uh, he had to have learned the lesson of 2016, which is be ready and be and bring the best. Uh, he said he would. Remember, he said he's going to put together killers. Uh, he didn't. He didn't even have you know uh, day burglars uh, in so many positions. He's got to learn from that, and we see no signs that he is putting that organization together. At least I don't. Do you? No, I don't think he has yet. But remember, Ronald Reagan did not announce until December of nineteen or November of nineteen seventy nine. Mm -hmm. 
So that would I do over, remember that would be over a year from now. Um, and he and he did that because Reagan understood that the dance didn't begin until he showed up. Right. Uh, so it was a, to his advantage to freeze everything in place. I think that probably the place where you and I might disagree. Mm-hmm. I think Trump is the front runner. I think he is the most likely nominee, but I think he's going to have to win it. And I would have said a year ago that he would have been, it would have been almost automatically his. Uh, I don't think it's automatically his now. I think, I think he's probably going to win. He is certainly the front runner. And certainly if you take his support and DeSantis's support, there's not much room left for anybody else. I mean, those, those two between them totally dominate the choice right, right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the money. Uh, it's, I, I guess, too, there is this issue. Does, uh, does he, you know, have to also regard Pence uh, as, as a player here? Uh, the question is open. Uh, well, let me ask you the question. Did Pence do the right thing on January 6th? Uh, and how will that play in presidential politics from here through 2024? Um, I believe Pence did what he thought was his constitutional duty. I think that all of his advisors told him that was his constitutional duty. And just ask yourself this question. If you're going to assume that Pence could have postponed the electoral vote, Mm -hmm. what about Kamala Harris in 24? Mm -hmm. I mean, you really want Kamala Harris to be in a position to have that kind of independent power? I don't. Uh, I don't think the founding fathers designed this system uh, for the vice president to be much more, frankly, uh, than than a clerical function in terms of the Electoral College. It's their job to receive the votes from the states. Um, the members of the Congress have the opportunity to contest them, and some were prepared to do that prior to the riot that broke out. But I think it would have been um, very wrong for Pence, and I think unconstitutional, for Pence to have arbitrarily uh, tried to do things. That's just my personal view, both as a former Speaker of the House and as a historian. And my view is just uh, a mere citizen is uh, I think that Pence probably did, I shouldn't say probably, uh, did what he thought was right, uh, and I respect him greatly for it. And I agree that uh, as vice president, he should not have had been put in that position to have to make a choice about who uh, would be president. I, I don't think that our, our founders uh, contemplated that possibility uh, nor that uh, authority. I, I think you're exactly right. It just isn't something that we would want uh, for 2024 any more than we would wanted it for 2020. Uh, saying that, we are looking at a January 6th committee that is going down the same path as two impeachment efforts by them. Uh, many of the sure. same uh, uh, venomous, vile characters are uh, running it, uh, as did uh, lay the foundation, the false foundation for a special counsel. Three years of FBI investigation. The American people, you are like me, a man who believes in a government of the people, by the people, for the people, uh, are the people in your judgment, smart enough to see this for the for the absolute blasphemy it is, this January 6th committee? Well, I think if you truly, deeply hate Trump, you love this committee. I think, however, if you don't hate Trump, 
You don't have to like him, but you just have to be in the, you know, he deserves a fair break. This committee is a Stalinist show trial in exactly the Bolshevik model that Lenin invented. Um, I am appalled that uh, Liz Cheney has become the leading anti-Republican, anti-Trump, uh, really leader of the committee. What they've done is a total, I think, uh, abomination. It is a violation of every principle of the Bill of Rights. It uh, absolutely has put people in positions where they have not had legal protection. They haven't had the right to counsel they should have. Uh, and uh, the fact that they have over a 1,000 videotapes and over 25,000 documents just tells you uh, there's something profoundly sick about that committee. Uh, and it's typical of the Pelosi dictatorship. Uh, and frankly, if you want to know who was the most responsible for January the 6th, it's Speaker Pelosi, who specifically has the obligation to protect the Capitol and who failed totally to protect the Capitol, even when President Trump offered 20,000 National Guardsmen, which would have preempted any possible problem. Absolutely. I concur 100 percent, as I almost in everything always do when talking with Newt Gingrich. It's a delight always to talk with you, uh, to have you with us here. I hope you'll come back soon. We wish you immense success. We will be uh, flogging your book relentlessly here on The Great America Show, Defeating Big Government Socialism, importantly, Saving America's Future by none other than the great Newt Gingrich. Newt, thank you so much for being with us, and, and God bless you. Well, thank you, Lou, and I look forward to being back with you again. And a reminder to pick up Newt's new book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. And joining us here tomorrow will be Congressman James Comer, who is, like Senators Johnson and Grassley, investigating Hunter Biden, who Congressman Comer calls a national security threat. Congressman Comer, ranking member of the House Oversight and Reform Committee, will be its chair, the chairman of that powerful committee in January when the Republicans win in November. And Comer promises a full investigation of Biden corruption. Congressman Comer, our guest here tomorrow on The Great America Show, please join us. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America. One, two, three. Four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.